Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be talking about an operating system you might not have heard about called Haiku from Michael Phipps. We'll focus heavily on the iPhone 5 and other goodies from Apple with Kirk McElhern, author and commentator, and cutting-edge commentator Daniel Aaron Dilger. All this and more this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. (laughs) Michael Phipps is founder of the Haiku Project, and this is something, a program to create a new operating system, which is based on something that maybe you listeners never heard of, called BIOS. Michael, welcome to the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you very much, Gene. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, had things gone differently, Mac OS X or OS X might have been based on BIOS instead of the Next Step operating system. What's the story? That's absolutely correct. In the 90s, Apple realized that their operating system, which had been worked on since you know the, the early 80s, was out of date. It didn't do the things that their users wanted it to do. It didn't put an adequate protection between applications so one application could take down another application or, in fact, the entire operating system. Apple started looking at different possibilities. They tried to create their own operating system, and it, it failed. Now, that's an interesting story in itself. Called Copeland, they actually got close to a beta release but never released the beta. It just became too unwieldy, I guess. That's my understanding. They started looking around in the marketplace, and they focused on BOS initially. BOS was founded by a former Apple executive, Jean-Louis Gasset. Jean-Louis had worked at Apple. He actually replaced Steve Jobs when Steve Jobs was kicked out. He kind of got fed up with the Apple bureaucracy and, and the way things were going. He decided to start his own little company, as, as is the common in that area of uh, San Jose. He started a little company. B was just a, a name that he sort of picked out of the air. And it started out just as an internal project. He, he didn't release much of anything about it for several years. They were going to use some processors that were made by AT&T that were designed for uh, phone systems, as I remember correctly, called Hobbits. Isn't that funny how life imitates art? Because today we're thinking of whether ultimately personal computers, more and more of them, will be using mobile processors. It is funny like that. The Hobbit did not turn out to be a very good choice because AT&T discontinued them. So Jean-Louis went back to what he knew, and that was the PowerPC, which was the processor used by Apple up until you know, a few years ago. So the B-Box was a piece of custom hardware designed by B around two PowerPC processors. And this is back in uh, 95, 96 area. And dual processors was something that only the high-end folks had. So the, the, the targeting of a multiprocessor system to the masses was just pretty much unheard of. The B-Box got a lot of attention and a lot of popularity in the developer world, and people started looking at it and playing with it, and as a result, many people became familiar with BOS. B, however, realized that they could not scale adequately with the funds that they had to be a hardware manufacturer as well as a software manufacturer like Apple was. They discontinued the B-Box and started selling their operating system for the Mac. So if you had a PowerPC Mac, you could load BOS and have 
an, an alternative operating system. Now, just in retrospect, let me tell you that I was in touch with some of the people connected with the BIOS organization back in the 90s, and I tried to get one of those boxes. Never could. They were very expensive and very hard to come by. I actually uh-huh. had one for a period of time. It was amazing. They had a geek port on the back, which was just a port that you could connect different electrical devices to. Their, their thinking was that they didn't know where the next revolution in hardware would come from. So by providing easy access to either analog or digital inputs, they could allow people to build whatever hardware devices their hearts desired. It, it actually kind of reminds me of what people are doing with the iPhone today with a, just a simple headphone jack of all things. But you get companies like Square that are making credit card processors on them. Now, at what level of development was the BOS or BIOS at that particular point in time? This is when they made the decision to sell it as an OS, not as the hardware. What was missing that they would have had to have added to make this thing into a regular commercial product? Missing is is a hard question because every operating system has different capabilities to some degree. You take, for example, Windows up until, I believe recently, if it even has it now, you had to have, you had to specify what kind of an image you were loading. So, you know, of course, that's never stopped application developers. They've always found ways to work around what the operating system did or didn't have. BOS had tons and tons of functionality. It never had a lot of software. But I, was a, I used it as my desktop operating system from the time, oh, maybe 1999 on. And I never really found anything the operating system itself couldn't do. Of course, there was always the question of applications. I understand. Now, there was a time where Apple had to make the decision what operating system to buy. BIOS was one of the options, of course. Next Step was the other. So what happened? Well, Next Step originally wasn't even in the running. They were debating, they were going back and forth with Jean-Louis about how much they would pay for it. The, the story is, and I, I, I've never had it personally confirmed, but the story is that he asked for $450 million. And Apple wasn't willing to go above something in the neighborhood of $250 million. So they were at sort of an impasse when an Apple staffer, who, if I remember correctly, was, was an old friend of Steve's, said, hey, I've got an idea, and called Steve in kind of on the sly, and it, that became a done deal. Do you recall the purchase price? For Next, no, I do not off the top of my head. I'll look it, it up. not a lie. I'm going Whatever to look it they up. Paid, sure. Yeah, I'm going to look it up. This is from 1996, and we look at Apple wanting to offer BIOS $250 million. And according to this publication, according to Wikipedia, on December 20th, 1996, Apple purchased Next for $429 million. Well, it would have been a bargain at twice the price to get Steve Jobs. Well, I guess it was that. And also they gave 1.5 million shares of Apple stock, which, of course, at that time wasn't worth much more than $1.5 million. That's absolutely true. Okay, so they made the decision. Steve Jobs came on board. That's history. So was that the end of BIOS? It was very near the end. Um, the, The B management team obviously had to figure something else out. They ported their operating system to Intel. Um, Ah, again, a life-imitating art. (laughs) Yes. 
And I was actually there when they unveiled that in Boston. It was a great idea killed by an industry giant, Microsoft. Microsoft actually since then has settled a antitrust lawsuit against B or, or uh, started by B against Microsoft for $23 million. Of course, they never admitted any wrongdoing. So it was part of it was that if you wanted to install another operating system on a PC that was a Microsoft licensee, you'd still have to pay Microsoft for the user license. Was that it? As I understand it, it was either that or the cost of Microsoft licenses would dramatically increase for you, something along the lines of 40 to $120. Yeah, Microsoft certainly was a pretty tough cookie in those days. Now a shadow of itself. Absolutely. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't buy a Microsoft stock for any amount of money. But it's so interesting here that the people from B ported the BIOS to Intel, and Apple started doing that in 2005, although unofficially they were doing it in development years earlier. But okay, this was it the nail in the coffin for the BIOS. This is a question we're going to ask of Michael Phipps, who's the founder of the Haiku Project. And in the next segment, we'll explain what Haiku was all about and how it relates to BIOS and what the promise of this new operating system is all about. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. neighbors, you've seen all those crazy, wacky products on TV. The perfect tortilla, easy covers, hot booties, furniture fix, petty spin, and more. Where do you find all that stuff? You go to asseenontv.com because this is the one-stop source for all of these TV goods advertised. Find all your favorites as seen on TV. Check them out as seenontv.com. And by the way, save 10%. Here's what you do. Use the code SEEN1, S-E-E-N number one, SEEN1. Go to asseenontv.com to order. Save 10%. Purchase this summer's hottest As Seen on TV items. Save 10%. Or call 1-866-277-3366, 1-866-277-3366. The code Scene one to save 10%. What's going on with food prices? Have you noticed how your favorite ice cream is now 14 ounces instead of a pint? Round trip airfares into nine major cities has increased 44% in just one year. Ask your 18 to 25 year old what it costs to buy some nice fashionable jeans. $300? And yet not one person in 100 realizes these prices reflect government spending and Federal Reserve Bank dollar printing. Gold in the last 10 years has increased 450%, while the dollar's purchasing power is declining daily. My name is Daniel Larson. I work at Midas Resources. To learn more about how gold and silver can protect your dwindling purchasing power and your IRA accounts, call 1-800-686-2237, extension 134. That's 800-686-2237, extension 134. Daniel Larson, 800-686-2237, extension 134.
American gardeners and fellow patriots make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed saving instructions and ships same day. Plus, all orders over $49 ship free. MyPatriotSupply.com is American owned by patriots like you, passionate about freedom and preparedness. Call now, 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. Or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at MyPatriotSupply.com. Choose the original. Choose the Survival Seed Vault at MyPatriotSupply.com. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption, Absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com. Spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We have Michael Phipps. He is the founder of the Haiku Project, which is based on the concept of BIOS, which is an industrial strength operating system from the 1990s. They tried to sell their own hardware. It didn't work. They tried to make a deal with Apple, and Apple spent more money buying Next. There you go. They tried to make a version for Intel, but Microsoft got in the way. Was that it for BIOS? That was not it. They tried one last thing, and that was Internet appliances. Essentially, it's a a dedicated machine that only pretty much accesses the Internet. It was an idea that seemed very popular in around 2000, and it just never really went anywhere. You can tell because you don't have one. Of course, now you have Google Chrome. (laughs) You do. Really, tablets became what the Internet appliances promised, but they do it with portability, which is you know, 10 times better than than a wired Internet appliance workstation. Okay. Returning to BIOS, that didn't work either. No, it did not work, and the company filed for bankruptcy. From my personal experience, um, they filed in, I want to say, August. But around May, the writing was on the wall. We all knew what was coming. So I started looking around at other operating systems. I, I had a Windows XP system running. I tried Mac OS briefly on a, a borrowed computer. I tried Linux. I tried BSD. 
And my experience was that none of them were, it just wasn't the same. They just weren't up to the standards of BOS in my mind. Now, this is an interesting point. BIOS, if you're looking at OS X, you're looking at the latest versions of Windows, what is so great about BIOS compared to them? It's hard to name one thing, to be honest with you. It's, it's the way I see it. It's sort of like driving a Lincoln town car and saying, well, I can get from place to place with a Civic. Why do I need to, to, to have such a deluxe thing? There's not a single thing that I can point to and say, you've got to have this feature. There, there's a hundred little details. To start with, the installation process is trivial. It doesn't ask you a lot of questions. It, it asks you, where do you want this to go, and are you a developer? And that's it, and it installs. Really simple. Okay, really simple. from the ashes of BIOS comes Haiku. How? When B made their final decision and posted to the uh, B Dev Talk mailing list, I said, well, that's just not really acceptable. I need a system for myself to work on. So I suggested that we start working together to replace some of the components of BOS with our own versions. I originally called it OpenBOS. You know, over a weekend, I wrote a little tiny piece, the screensaver. And that was enough to prove to the folks on the mailing list, hey, we could really do this. I could never have done anything without the talented help that came along to follow. In fact, the screensaver was the only part of Haiku that I actually wrote. And in, in fact, I think that code's all been replaced by now. But there, that came along because, of, because there, was just, there was code and not just words. There was work behind it. People started adding on. One of the early developers, he reported to a job, and they said, we don't have anything for you for the next three weeks. Go home and work on your own, and we'll pay you. So he worked on a, a significant part of the print kit for us. Another developer, Axel, had worked on a file system recovery tool for BOS, and he migrated that code and actually built the file system for Haiku from that code. We've had an, um, an amazing number of developers who've done just phenomenal work. There's something like 7 million lines of code the last time I looked in Haiku, and all of it has been written from scratch. Now, by do you actually here. have anything in Haiku that is part of BIOS, or is it all brand new? There are a few components that be open-sourced uh, before they went bankrupt, and that we were able to reuse. The tracker and the desk bar, which are the desktop interface for Haiku, came from B, although they've been modified fairly heavily since then. Okay, so this is basically a brand new operating system, and you have to think of the differences here. For example, with Windows, they, of course, put a shell over DOS to get started. With OS X, it was built over Next, which was built from a traditional Unix-based operating system. So this is a kind of a start-from-scratch type of thing. It is absolutely start-from-scratch. One of the little bit of unique things in my mind is that it's the only open-source operating system that's completely integrated. What I mean by that is this. If you download, say, Ubuntu for Linux, you, down, you end up getting a package that consists of the Linux kernel, X Windows made by a different group, KDE or GNOME made by another group, uh, Open Alpha, which is the sound system maybe from another group, and so on. Haiku is not like that. Haiku is our own kernel, our own video system, our own sound system, every single piece of Haiku, with just a couple of little exceptions that we've taken from the open source world, 
are actually written by the haiku team, and it's all managed together. So you get a level of integration and a level of essentially, in a way, testing that you never get anywhere else because it's, it's written and tested all by the same people. Now, is this something that's available for Intel processors, I assume? It is available for Intel processors. There's a couple of experimental pieces that are in progress. Actually, again, life imitating art. There's a backport to PowerPC that uh, a very dedicated volunteer, uh, Francois Raval, manages. And as a result of Google Summer of Code, for which I can't tell you how grateful we are, one of the students for Google Summer of Code actually ported to 64-bit Intel processors. That's in a very advanced state. The system runs, it functions well, and some of the apps are ported to it. Okay, now let's get a look at where we are from right now. This started in the early 2000s, in 2001, so we're talking about 11 years. And it's 11 years, 11 is a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. I thought it would be a much shorter time period. I guess I, if I had known how crazy an idea it was, maybe I wouldn't have done it. So I'm, I'm grateful for what I didn't know back then. Haiku is about to release Alpha 4, and that sounds somewhat underwhelming until I explain this. The engineers who work on Haiku are absolute perfectionists. They have refused to release a a development build that other open source projects would have released years ago because these guys don't want their name on it unless it's perfect. So Alpha 4 is is what we hope will be the last in the alpha stage before it goes to beta. Beta means it's code complete. There is no additional functionality that needs to be written. Right now, if I remember correctly, the only thing that's missing yet is an installer for apps. Everything else is complete. So, so you're pretty much towards, what, 95 98% of complete in terms of the features and everything? I would say it's 99% feature complete. There are still bugs. They're rare. Um, and you can tell this, you look at the bug reports from the Haiku website, and, and you know where it used to be, I clicked this and the whole system crashed. Now you're getting bugs like, if I copy files for an hour and a half, the system crashes. Okay, so basically much more subtle bugs. We'll get into more of this in a moment. We're talking about another operating system, not Windows, Mac OS X, not iOS, not Chrome, Haiku. And the founder of the project, Michael Phipps, joining us. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. 
How's your pH today? Are you acidic? How alkaline is your blood and body? What is the pH of the water you drink? We are AlkaVision, and we have the answers. Drinking pure, high alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining vibrant health and high energy because bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline, high pH environment. If your drinking water isn't at a pH level of 8 or higher, boost it with AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Our unique formula will alkalize your water, ridding your body of harmful toxins and acid, and help regain energy and health. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision. Vision Plasma pH drops to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise the pH of your body to optimal levels. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com, spelled A-L-K-A-Vision.com, or call 800-518-7615, 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. My name is Gary Johnson. Today I reach out to you, members of all political parties. I reach out to everyone with a vote and an axe to grind. I ask you to join me in trying something that's never been attempted before in America. Let's put our parties and our differences aside one time. Be libertarian with me for one election. Together, we'll stop the spending and end the wars. Together. We'll rebuild our own roads, bridges, schools, and hospitals instead of building theirs half a world away. Together, we'll restore our industrial might and our economy. And if, in four years, we as a people decide we don't like peace, prosperity, and freedom, we can always vote failure back into office again. We the people live free. Gary Johnson, Libertarian for President. Paid for by Gary Johnson, 2012. Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. We have Michael Phipps. He is the founder of the Haiku Project. And Haiku is an operating system that is based on the concept of the BIOS. It's a totally integrated operating system in the final stages before becoming beta, which means at some point in time, it's really going to be ready for prime time, right, Michael? Absolutely. Hopefully sooner rather than later. Now, considering how long it's taken, now beta being the final process before the thing is released, what do you got, another year or so? I have a very bad track record for guessing dates, but that would be my guess. 
We actually have a few of the developers. We have a 501c3, a nonprofit organization, Haiku Inc. It raises funds, and we use those funds 100% to accelerate the development of Haiku. We have a few developers that, that are normal contributors to the project that they're between jobs in December and, Jan- and or January. There's a little bit of difference for, between the two developers, but they're actually contracted on, by Haiku to work on the remaining pieces. Okay, so, so the point being you get donations from people and that money is used to pay developers so they can kind of concentrate on your needs, not one of many needs. Correct. And these are long-time developers who, I'll, I'll tell you, if I could hire them at work, I would do it tomorrow. Sure. Now, you're in the automotive industry, automotive software industry, right? Yes, I am. Now, what does that mean for the rest of us? What kind of products are these? I actually write software to help car salesmen sell you more products. So, depending on your point of view, we like that or we don't? Software is like any other tool. In, in good hands, it's... It can be used for the good of humanity, and in the wrong hands, not so much. Okay, so now looking at Haiku today, you have, say, a Mac, and you want to give this a try. Do you go into boot camp? Do you install a virtual machine like a VMware Fusion or a Parallels desktop? Is that the way you do it? Or do you have to take a box from scratch and install this thing? Either of those are a possibility. I've personally installed it on many, many times on a VM. That's, that's the most comfortable way, certainly especially if you're not into um, partitioning and formatting hard drives. One of the things, of course, with VMs is they have optimization drivers. Do they have optimization drivers for you, or do you have to build your own? You have to build your own. I believe there's a set for VMware, but I'm not 100% sure on that. So like a VMware virtual machine? Correct. Okay. So it is possible for any of our listeners, if they have a little bit of technical expertise to download this thing, install it under VMware or under Parallels Desktop and give it a whirl. Absolutely. Now, when they look at this thing, and this will be kind of our final segment of this presentation, they install it. What are they going to see that's so different from what they're used to with the Mac and Windows? I'll give you one example. There are many, but one particular example that always stands out is the use of file attributes. All the operating systems have them now, but Haiku makes use of file attributes in, a, in ways that no other operating system does. So how do you mean? So let's take iTunes, for an example. You know how in iTunes there's all those columns and you can sort by genre and you can sort by length and artist and all those things? In Haiku, you don't need an application to do that. You can actually, all those attributes are available to you from Tracker, which is the, the desktop op, uh, portion of the operating system. So you can, emails work the same way, so you could sort your emails right in the desktop. You don't need an application to, to use email at all, other than to send them. So you're saying basically that the operating system in and of itself supports email? Yes. Okay. It all, but but it's, it's not just email. Any file can have any attribute on it. So with, with these... Again, let's take MP3s. Let's say you wanted to see every MP3 on your system that's jazz recorded between 1984 and 1996 that's three to five minutes long. You could write that, you could write that query in Haiku in a few seconds, and it wouldn't have to be something you've imported into your iTunes library. You could just see it in your desktop. What about a web browser? 
there is a web browser. It's based on WebKit. It's called Web Positive. Okay. And it, it works reasonably well. It, that's one of the pieces that needs more work, but it, it will view most websites without any difficulty. Okay. What particular apps do you really feel you need? A word processor, perhaps, or image editing? What? Well, one of the, the interesting things we did with Haiku is we required binary backward compatibility with BOS. That means you can take any application that was written for BOS in the 90s and run it today. So there are some applications from those days, but you can, you know, you can guess there aren't too many 15-year-old applications that are still supported. So the, the good news for developers is that the field is wide open. You can write pretty much app, any application and you'll be the first or one of the first. And if you build polished applications, you will have fame and, and, and the, the gratitude of the community. Okay, this is open source. It means that people are free to participate, free to download it. There's no charge for it. Now, in terms of apps, though, are they going to be open source or will app developers try to make a profit? Probably both. Um, there's no requirement that applications be open source, but it's, of course, better in many ways. Um, there are many open source applications already ported to Haiku, but you know, Guy Kawasaki, who was an Apple employee, said uh, ports ports of software are like cheap ports of wine. It's not something you want all that much. It's better than nothing. I understand. Now, for those who are using Mac, Windows, or Linux, this is the time to make the final pitch. Why do we want to give Haiku a try? Haiku is a great operating system that's free. It's not going to have DRM issues like Mac or Windows. You're not going to have to worry about who's seeing your, your, app, your uh, personal data. The, the code is all available for you to see. It's completely free, so if you have an, a machine that you just want to install something on and you don't want to go buy a license for Mac OS or you don't want to buy a license for Windows, you have the opportunity to install something that's completely free. It's fast. It's efficient. It runs great on older hardware. And there's a feeling with it that, and I know this is, sounds very non-technical, but I'm telling you there's a feeling that you just can't get from any other operating system. Now, malware is a problem everywhere. How do you sure. protect the people who use Haiku? Malware is, is a little bit of a tough question to ask or to answer. Um, I'm going to kind of separate it into two categories. There's malware that's delivered by something that you didn't intend. So the, the classic, you know, don't open this email, you'll get a virus, that sort of thing. That's pretty much unknown on Haiku. Is it possible? Of course it's possible. No, nothing can be completely secure, but those things are, are unknown. The other class of malware is something that promises to be something that it's not. So if you download something that says it's you know, Half-Life 5 and it turns out to reformat your hard drive, those are, are really user questions, and there's no real way to work around that. But the Haiku community doesn't let that sort of thing happen. If you were to try to do something like that, it, it would not go over well. <laughs> I should imagine. Now, where do our listeners get more information about Haiku? www.haiku-os.org. Okay, that's haiku-os.org. 
I know the Internet address is a little bit convoluted, but you have to go with what you have when you're trying to get a domain online. So once again, that's haiku, H-A-I-K-U, dash O-S dot org. And you get more information. You can download a copy. They're at Alpha 3 now, Alpha 4 coming soon. And you're looking for donations. People who want to get involved with the project, they can contact the people over at the Haiku organization. Absolutely. And another, if you're a talented developer, Haiku needs you. It's written in C++. And, you know, it's, it's another place where you can make your mark on the world. It's called Haiku. And the founder, Michael Phipps. Thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me, Gene. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com if you're considering a water filter, have you heard about Aquapail? Aquapail from FreezeDryGuy.com has huge advantages over many other water filters. American-made Aquapail units are designed and engineered to not just filter contaminated water, but capture or kill all bacteria and viruses to non-detectable levels. Aquapail has the fastest flow rate of any other water filter on the market, filtering a gallon of contaminated water in about five minutes. That's water when you need it. Now, get the world's fastest, safest, and most reliable gravity-fed portable water treatment system for surface, well, and wastewater sources. Aquapail. Available in four sizes starting at only $100. In all orders to the lower 48, ship free. Call 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. That's 866-404-3663 or freezedryguy.com. 100% veteran-owned. The Freeze Dry Guy. Every day, nearly 3,000 families enter into foreclosure and face losing their home. If you're currently behind on your mortgage, you can still avoid foreclosure. You can save your home, but you need to act now. We're Allied State Foreclosure Services. We're experts in saving homes from foreclosure. With just one phone call to us, you can stop the foreclosure process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, and save your home. Call now. The call is free with no obligation. 1-800-597-8843. Call us if you've been threatened with foreclosure. 1-800-597-8843. 
denied loan modification, or missed a payment on your mortgage, if you've been a victim of a predatory loan or are upside down on your mortgage, even if you've lost your job and you're worried about losing your home, don't wait. Call us now and let us help you save your home. You've worked hard to build a life with your family. Let us help you keep your home. Call now before it's too late. 1-800-597-8843. 1-800-597-8843. 1-800-597-8843. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now I can help you reduce or eliminate your tax debts and end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce and eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. And with the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. Very appropriate on the Tech Night Owl Live to have Kirk McElhern. He is the iTunes guy and also proprietor of macosxhints.com for Macworld. And in the media event this week, we had not just a new iPhone, which we'll talk about later, new iPod and all that stuff. We had the announcement of a new version of iTunes demonstrated by the creator of iTunes, Jeffrey Robin. How about that? Yeah, it was pretty surprising. You know, we've been seeing uh, small iTunes updates for years. And for years, it's just been small cosmetic updates. And here it looks like a really dramatic overhaul of the program for the first time in quite a while. Everyone expected the iPhone. Everyone expected new iPods. I expected new iTunes features. I, you know, I, I've kind of grown complacent in the past few years because, again, the, the changes have been minimal. But here it's a total redesign, at least of the interface. I'm, I'm, I don't really think that, that under the hood it's very different. But the interface has been totally redesigned. And I have to say my first impression is very positive. But this could be just a first impression that's positive because it's different. It looks simplified. I think one of the problems we've heard with iTunes is the fact that it can get a little bit too complicated. Well, if you recall during the keynote, they did show a list view. And what, I t- what, what Apple's showing on the website is basically the current grid view, where you see an album cover with a, a name, the, an album title, and an artist underneath it. So they're but, basically but- pushing the more simple interface. Right. They're highlighting the fact that you do have this simple option, but they show that you can still use list view. So the, so power users who use list view, which is what I do for a lot of my stuff, even though I have a number of playlists that use grid view, won't say, Hey, they just took everything away. But I think they're trying to highlight a much more simple approach to the program, which, yeah, it's a good thing. I really think it's a good thing. Again, we, we won't know until October when we actually see it in use. 
But one thing that stands out, for instance, so if, if anyone's looked at the screenshots on the, the page presenting this... And I'll give it, you the address, which will change, of course, after it comes out. It's apple.com backslash iTunes backslash new hyphen iTunes. But if you go just to the iTunes page, there's a link. A there's preview a link of the new iTunes. Simplicity is a beautiful thing. I'm not saying that. That's what Apple says. Now, there's a section where they talk about new library views, and if you look at that, you'll notice there's no sidebar anymore. The sidebar, or what in technical terms, what Apple calls it is the iTunes source list, is the thing on the left where you've got all your playlists and your devices, your iPods and all that. And now it's a pop-up menu up to the top of the left. And that really makes sense to me because... Unless you're moving music to a playlist, and I think they showed something in the keynote about how easy it is to do that now, um, this, the sidebar isn't something you need, and it just takes up space. So getting rid of that makes it look, when you look at the program, it's no longer something in two parts. The left list with this long list, depending on how many playlists, and the stuff on the right, it's just one window, and all the navigation things are above it. So instead of your music and your playlists and all that being listed at the top under library, there are little buttons at the top where it says songs, albums, artists, genres, playlists, radio, etc. So uh, it looks like the approach is to make it less, it, to make it look like it doesn't have as many parts. That's now, the, the other thing I see is there's a slider on the title bar, or what we call a title bar, although it really doesn't have a title. The slider, I guess, allows you to adjust the size of the grid view well there is currently a slider for the grid view i don't see what you're talking about but i think you're what you're seeing is the volume slider oh that's the volume slider okay now that slider is at the top of the window in grid view and in these screenshots it's not there's nothing visible at the top so if there's a slider i have a feeling it'll be at the bottom of the window and in every one of the screenshots the bottom of the window is cut off isn't that nice why do they do things like that? Um, well, you know, the bottom of the iTunes window is, is all that kind of stuff that, you know, tells how many things you have and has the buttons to make playlists and all that. So it's, they're showing the layout, you know, not showing a full window. I don't think it's deceptive, but I think it's just to not distract people. Just emphasize the stuff they want to sell. Of course, it's a free app. Now, there's also a new mini player. What's so great about that? really neat during the presentation um, with different menus and searches and stuff like that. Now, there are an awful lot of iTunes um, controller apps or apps that let you search for things and play them. But here they've built the search field into the mini player. Um, instead of the mini player looking like the like a QuickTime player, it's, it's simplified. Uh, again, you have to see how this works when you use it, but it, it looks like it's a good step forward. But basically, it looks like they've taken, first of all, they've gotten rid of the, the, the sort of, well, it, it, it's not brushed metal. It, you know, it's that sort of gray plasticky dark thing, and they've made it a lot lighter. And I think the lighter, any, anytime you have a lighter window like that, it, it lightens your impression of the application. Also makes it easier to read the labels. Yeah. See, one of the problems I have, for example, with Windows 8 from Microsoft is you've got this very thin type in white over these dark colored tiles, and quite often you can't read the messages. Right. Here, here with this new color, it's true that all the buttons that are, on, that are visible on, on that 
uh, on the what you'd call the title bar, the big title bar in the iTunes window. All of the buttons are these sort of um, what would you call them, like cutout buttons or whatever, and they're dark gray and they stand out very well. Um, it I, so far it looks good, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you an exclusive here. This is something that's very interesting. Okay, um, this is an exclusive. We don't have an exclusive tone. We're just going to let it happen. Go ahead. Make my day. We talked a couple years ago when they got rid of the color in the sidebar, how drab iTunes looked. Well, if you look at that image I mentioned earlier, that pop-up menu that is going to replace the sidebar, the source list, you can see that the little um, musical note icon next to the word music is blue. It's not gray. So I have a feeling that when you click that menu, you're going to get color. And I have a feeling that we're going to see a lot more color in all of iTunes than we have in the, the past couple of years since it went to this you know, boring gray against light blue in the sidebar. Do we blame Jeff Robin or one of his minions? But Jeff is a vice president for Apple. Therefore, he's responsible. It's your fault, Jeffrey. Well, remember that this, this, um, the gray sidebar is also repeated in other apps like iPhoto, like the Finder. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a thing that's been, you know, passed around everywhere. It's not, if anyone's fault, it's probably Steve Jobs' fault. Well, you know, let's not spit on the dead, so let's leave that alone. Okay, so simplified iTunes, redesigned player, redesigned iTunes store. Redesigned iTunes store and making the iTunes store um, on the Mac look like the iTunes store on iOS. Now... It's not exactly the same because the, 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 the bar at the top of the bottom of, win, of the window on iOS is black, which fits in the, the iOS scheme. But if you look at the, the examples that they show, um, and they even say, so it looks and works the same wherever you shop, um, they're really focusing on the similarities here. And try, instead of trying to make each app sort of stand out on its own, they're making them here, you know, be they're trying to they're trying to make it easier we we talked a while ago about the relationship between ios and and mountain lion and i pointed out how they're trying to make things similar so that if you know how to use ios you know how to use a mac and for me this is just an extension of that same strategy just keeping with what apple's doing which is also to make the transition from ios device to mac and back again as seamless as possible this yeah. way you have a learning curve that is not so severe now, I suppose in a very crazy sense, Microsoft wants to do that with Windows. So Windows 8 on Intel device, Windows 8 on a mobile device should be the same. But you can't do it that way. You can't make them 100% the same. You can take individual apps and give them a similar look and functionality. But the operating systems have to be different. Microsoft doesn't get it. Yeah, I, I remember that what – again, this is my opinion um, – one of the reasons Apple is doing this is because there are so many more people using iOS devices than using Macs. And if they know how to use the iOS device and they see that the Mac is very similar, they can lure people to the Mac. Now, Microsoft doesn't really think this way. In fact, it's, it makes sense. This isn't, you know, they're not doing hardware, except now they're starting to do, uh, you know, a, a tablet and stuff like that. Well, but, they're sort of starting to do it because as of now, which is what, about six weeks before it's supposed to be released, we have no pricing. We don't have fleshed out specs. Who knows if the thing is even real? We have Kirk McElhern, author and commentator. He's real. I'm Gene Steinberg. 
Am I real? I don't know, but this is the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Since 1974, Evelyn Gibson has helped thousands of people live healthier, happier, and more productive lives. Gibson'sHealth.com demonstrates, educates, and inspires customers to replace their healthy rows of lifestyles with a health-enhancing one. Now, Gibson'sHealth.com is pleased to offer AIM Ready Beats Pure Juice Powder. Beet juice has long been known as a blood purifier and builder of red blood cells. The American Heart Association says one in three adults has high blood pressure and hypertension. Researchers found that a daily glass of beet juice beats high blood pressure and not only that just a teaspoon or two a day of ready beets powder increased stamina by 16 percent certainly drinking beet juice daily is a better solution than most meds with their side effects order your fresh convenient form juice powder of this amazing vegetable called ready beets from gibsonshealth.com to buy at wholesale prices call 800-388-6844 or go to gibsonshealth.com gibson's healthful living since 1974 over 30,000 healthier customers Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. A riff on real, and not so real. I'm Gene Steinberg. This is the Tech Night Owl Live. We're talking to Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy. And we took a bit of a segue over to Microsoft and what they're trying to do, but Maybe they will produce a Surface tablet, maybe not. But you think something that's so close to release, we'd have full pricing, full specs. I mean, look at the new iPods that were on display at Apple's media event. They won't be out until October, the iPod Touch and the iPod Nano. But journalists had a chance to use them. Obviously, the iPhone is shipping next week, the iPhone 5. They had a chance to use them, too. It wasn't a situation where, with the Surface, Microsoft holds a media event and they let you touch it for about six seconds, and then they take it back. I think they have watches on, stopwatches, because someone tried to type the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog or something like that. And what does that take, about six or eight seconds to type? They took it away before the person could finish. Yeah. Yeah, it's – Yeah, but Apple's always done this. And, and, and actually, what's interesting is of all the stuff they presented um, – the only thing that's shipping really soon is the iPhone. We don't have the do, – do we have the ship? Oh, no, the Nano is shipping soon as well. But uh, presenting a new version of iTunes, 
weeks or maybe a month before it ships. Now, this isn't something I, I can remember them doing. I kind of why they did this. Usually, there, there have been rumors of an iPad mini, and I don't know if we'll talk about that later or not. There have also been suggestions that if there's going to be an iPad mini, it warrants a separate media event. Now, assuming this is the case, if iTunes isn't coming out for a month, you would think that they'd present the, the new iTunes at that time. It makes me think that if they're going to present a new iPad, there's going to be something else that's going to take up a lot of time. Maybe they're going to do new Macs at the same time. You know, presenting iTunes now means that there will be another event for the new iPad and for something else, which is going to take up enough time that they won't have the, what, 10 or 12 minutes they spent on iTunes in this week's event. They'll probably just redo the 10 or 12 minutes to show the new features all over again. Maybe there'll be one or two things that we don't know about. But obviously, there are growing rumors about an October media event from Apple, possibly to introduce an iPad mini. That's going to really throw a monkey wrench into the efforts of Amazon and the efforts of Google to sell those small tablets. And I read a review of the Amazon Fire HD the other day. I don't know if it's a full review, but somebody who got an early copy. And by the way, Amazon says they're going to send me a couple of these things, so we'll see. What they reported was a severe performance lag where you tap on something, it could take up to a second for the system to respond. How about that? That's a lot. Now, now this is what you get with the um, Kindle Touch, but you know, obviously it's a different type of display and you kind of expect it because you really, it, you know, it's not a tablet where you're going to be typing a lot. You, you're going to type in some stuff to search in, 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 a, in a book or to search in the store. But you still want it to be responsive, though. Well, yeah, but for the Kindle Touch, you don't do much typing, so it doesn't surprise me. For the for the Fire, that does surprise me quite a bit. I mean, that's just you know that's that's just a deal breaker. Someone takes that out of the box, starts typing, sees that, they return it right away. And you have to look at the difference. Apple has always made an iPhone responsive from the very first model. Today, you take a 3GS, which is 2009, and it's finally being discontinued. You take a 3GS with the latest and greatest iOS, and it's still pretty responsive. You know, it's not quite the iPhone 4S and certainly not quite the iPhone 5, but it works fine. It works fine depending on which app you're using. You launch the basic Apple apps and it's going to work okay. Um, You try and do something where you're zooming in on pictures, it's not going to be very responsive. Okay, yeah, things that are resource-hungry, it's not going to be quite as good. But then, you know, what can you do? At least the iPhone 4 is quite responsive and still responsive, so the fact that that becomes the free entry in Apple's arsenal makes it very compelling. Okay, so looking at things overall, iTunes interface made simpler, easier to navigate, better integration with iCloud, better integration with iOS devices. Sounds positive. I guess the big thing is here, will it still be a lumbering beast in terms of performance? Or has Jeff Robin and his crew been busy, busy little bees, optimizing performance? I can't imagine that they would have made such drastic changes to the interface without making extensive changes under the hood. Everyone's going to expect it, and if they don't find these changes, then I think it'll be a problem. And it may be, yes, they want to have a special event in October where this will be launched officially for download, it may also be they couldn't get it ready until then. Because you notice they released a new version of iTunes 10.7 to support iOS 6, but that's it. Yeah, it's to support iOS 6, and it's most likely to support the new connectors. Yes. Uh, But other than that, um, it's a, you know... 
minor maintenance release. I was kind of surprised to see that um, actually yesterday, but it makes sense that they want to get that out into the channel before people start getting iOS 6 stuff. And they just released the GM of iOS 6 um, the, the same day or the day after. So there are a lot of developers you know, for whom this is going to be essential. Right, because they're going to have, what, six days? By the time you hear the show, ladies and gentlemen, it'll be just a few more days before it comes out. This is the last chance for developers to get a chance to play with a copy and test out the final features, although I don't think there's much time anymore for Apple to make any critical changes because they want to get the thing out by the 19th, which may be about the time some of you hear the show because I know that a lot of people don't listen to the Tech Night Out Live the date and the time of the original broadcast. Let's look at a few scattershot things about the other new announcements. The new Lightning Connector. Now, obviously there's a controversy here because suddenly you have to spend $29 to adapt your old accessories and not all the features work. Yeah, it's I I don't recall what the price is to buy the cable on its own. Uh, well, it's $29 for the adapter. I don't recall exactly what the price is, but I, I kind of think it's cheaper to buy a cable, so USB to Lightning, um, than it is to buy the dock connector to Lightning adapter. Now, the only reason you'd really need the adapter is if you have an accessory. That's the whole point. Um, I think it's cheaper to buy the cable USB to Lightning than it is to buy the adapter that's dock connector to Lightning. Um, $29 for that adapter seems to me incredibly dishonest because the people who are buying that are doing so because they bought an accessory and they want to continue using that accessory. And I'm thinking of, you know, speakers with a dock connector type thing. Well, let me um, just show you what's going on here now. The Lightning to 30-pin adapter cable is $39, okay? And that's going to be available in October. But it says here, video and iPod out, not supported. The Lightning to 30-pin adapter, just the adapter without the cable, is $29. Also ships October. And that's kind of a negative because it means that you can buy an iPhone next week but have to wait another week or two weeks to get the adapter for your old accessories. Yeah, and the the cable, the Lightning to USB cable, is only $19. So, again, it's just for people with accessories, and it's a bit problematic um, – Frankly, if you got to go a week without being able to listen to your iPhone on your speakers because you bought an iPhone 5 on the day it was launched, you know, uh, I'm not going to cry for you. But the, the point is, over the long term, they should be giving these things away for five bucks because, you know, some people spend hundreds of dollars on these, you know, docking speaker sets. Um, what I think Apple should be doing here is giving you a free adapter in the box. I suppose it, there's still time if you for them buy to make something, that decision. Hold on. If you buy a device, yeah. You buy an iPhone 5. If you buy an iPhone 5 or the new iPod Nano or the new iPod Touch, you should get that adapter, that 30-pin to 8-9 pin, whatever it is, adapter free in the box. If Apple takes a loss, so be it. It should be free in the box. It shouldn't be something you have to buy or wait until later. I think it'll make it a lot more convenient and probably drive more sales because people will feel more comfortable, especially if they have all those accessories that they have to work with. We have Kirk McElhern. We're working with him because he's the iTunes guy. 
And coming up later on in the show, our favorite cutting-edge commentator, Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. He's going to look at the iPhone 5, and he's going to answer the critics, the people who complain about the new proprietary lightning connector, about LTE support, and why Apple didn't add that last year. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. neighbors, you've seen all those crazy, wacky products on TV. The perfect tortilla, easy covers, hot booties, furniture fix, petty spin, and more. Where do you find all that stuff? You go to asseenontv.com because this is the one-stop source for all of these TV goods advertised. Find all your favorites as seen on TV. Check them out asseenontv.com. And by the way, save 10%. Here's what you do. Use the code SCENE1, S-E-E-N number 1, SCENE1. Go to asseenontv.com to order. Save 10%. Purchase this summer's hottest As Seen on TV items. Save 10%. Or call 1-866-277-3366. 1-866-277-3366. The code Scene 1 to save 10%. Jim Newcomer from Midas Resources, September 14th, 2012. Gold open this morning at 1771.10. A one-ounce gold coin can be purchased for 1814.68, 907.34 for a half ounce, or 453.67 for a quarter ounce. That's 1814.68, 907.34, and 453.67. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why bank stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explain this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237. The summer specials are on at HHA Herbal Healer Academy. Current customers know this is the time to save big at HerbalHealer.com. And you customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Right now, Herbal Healer's summer specials include our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale, liquid CalMag vitamin D and organic iodine, CoQ10 with Hawthorne, Colon Enhancer, Super 2, Natural Laxative, our exceptional product Tonixin, Memory Power, and Super Male and Femplex, all on sale for summer at HerbalHealer.com. Also get 10% off on the Herbal Healer Academy Survival Course. Information that might save your life. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on to our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education since 1988. Herbal Healer Academy at HerbalHealer.com. My name is Gary Johnson. Today I reach out to you, members of all political parties, including the disaffected and disillusioned among the Republicans and Democrats. Today there's a handful of people in Washington ruining America for 330 million of us. They've kept our nation in a state of perpetual war and increasing unsustainable debt. 
This small group has presided over the elimination of our Bill of Rights and the systematic dismantling of our freedoms guaranteed us under our Constitution. We the people will never agree on the small things, but let's agree on the big thing. Our leaders have blown it. America is better and brighter than this. Be libertarian with me this one time, and I'll prove it to you. Live free. Gary Johnson, libertarian for president. Paid for by Gary Johnson, 2012. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. There was a comment from a person who's a senior editor over at CNET, whom I used to work with. And she's going on and on saying, well, Apple should have used the mini USB, which is becoming common around the world not realizing that maybe the mini USB doesn't have all the features that Apple can provide with the lightning cable. Now, the one thing about the lightning connector that's nice in, I guess, sort of a perverse way is the fact that it is reversible. You don't have to point it in one direction. You plug it in either way, snaps in, no problem. Yeah, that's, you know, they're making a big deal out of something that's not a big deal. It's not that hard for people to, to figure out which way something goes in. You you look at a device, you look at a plug, and if it has a little thing on it, you plug it in. I mean, the dock connector is reversible, too. They never made a big deal about that. Uh, the only reason they said that is comparing it to a, a mini USB, which isn't reversible, which is you know flat on one side and has rounded corners on the other side. And it's very uh, easy because it's so small to try to force it in and break I do that all the time. I would say 50% yes. of the time I plug one of those things in, it doesn't go in and I have to turn it. But that's because they're generally too cheap and they don't have anything printed on it to show you which is the right side. So that's, that's just marketing on Apple's side. That's not a big deal. Yeah, what you say about the mini USB not supporting everything, I think that's entirely possible because the, just like the dock connector, the Lightning's probably going to be able to, to put out video and stuff. So you're going to need to have a lot more throughput than you're going to get through the mini USB. But I don't know much about those technical things. On the one hand, you said earlier they should give it away for free in the box. I would say if you order from Apple or buy in an Apple store, they ask you if you want one for free. That would make more sense. Changing it, okay, the dock connector's been around for a long time. Changing it to another proprietary format, Apple makes a heck of a lot of money off of this, licensing products to be able to use this stuff. But in a way, it annoys me that it's a format that has to be licensed and that other people can't use. I'd really like this to be a little bit more open. You know, I mean, the dock connector's always been like that, but I would really like to, to see the end of this sort of proprietary connector. Well, let's see. There are 400 million iOS devices out there. That ship yeah. has sailed. They don't have to change to another proprietary connector. I'm sure there are all sorts of connectors that they, could, that they could have used. I don't know. Thunderbolt's proprietary, but it's going to be a little bit more widespread. And, and it's Apple also a lot more expensive, I think. But and Apple it may also it. have a problem in terms of power utilization. Because remember, one of the things that Apple's doing here was to make everything more efficient. So despite having LTE and a bigger display, they can increase battery life. 
on the iPhone. Yeah, no, I understand that. This is really complicated, but it's just true that the idea of another proprietary connector is annoying. I mean, personally, I don't care because I buy iPhones and iPods. I don't have a Samsung phone and I don't have a Zune or anything like that. And actually, I don't have any devices that use dock connectors. I have some Apple docks, but I don't have any third-party devices. But, you know, I did just make a little more sense to get a little bit of interoperability in the world for things like that. Well, whatever it is, the fact that Apple is so successful, there's no motive. Obviously, what they did want to do was reduce the size of this product. They wanted to make everything as small as possible, as far as the iPhone is concerned, to allow them to make the whole product tie thinner, lighter, and they did all sorts of things in terms of the design to get away with that. That makes a lot of sense. But, you know, this is going to – it's going to be a thing for a while as people – find that the, the adapter is a little bit too big for to use certain devices and it stands up really high. So if you're putting, uh, let's say, an iPod into a dock on a speaker, it's going to stick out a little too much and that makes it fragile because if you bump into it, you know, all that sort of stuff. In a couple of years, it'll blow over and it'll be forgotten. I figure most of this brouhaha is going to be over probably in a few months, but I still think for the first six months or so, Apple should be giving out those free adapters. Or at least making them really cheap, you know. Five bucks if you buy a product or free if you buy a product. So, someone I know tweeted during the, the presentation, anyone want to buy two dozen old Apple USB to dock connector cables? Because, you know, we've all got a bunch of them. Anyway, we'll just move on. You know, I just want to jump in in terms of things that have been around for a long time and say that iPod Classic is still not dead yet. Isn't that interesting? The iPod Classic, circa 2009 has been in the lineup for three years. It's not only that, because the iPod Classic is is the direct descendant of the original iPod. It's the closest to the very first iPod. And in its current form, 2009 is actually a few years before that, when we had the first iPod with the click wheel, I think was in 2006. It didn't look exactly the same. It was white. It had the click wheel and the four buttons. But we're still maintaining that original iPod feel. Now, it's interesting. In the presentation, when they showed a picture of the iPod lineup, they showed the iPod Touch, the Nano, and the Shuffle. They didn't show the Classic. And once the thing was over, and I went to the Apple website, there it was. The Classic's still there. They just don't want to talk about it, but they're going to keep selling it. They'll keep selling it until there's no demand for it. There must be a demand from serious music lovers. Unfortunately, as you know, the problem with the iPod Classic is the mechanical hard drive. And I've never had an iPod that didn't get a bad hard drive. My son has an iPod Classic. I said, how is it? You didn't bring it back to America when you came to visit. It's broken. The hard drive's dead. I only had that happen once over really a number of iPods with hard drives. And it was when I dropped one. And I still have it someplace. It's a classic, probably from 2009. I have another classic, which I bought after that. The, the first one, I can put up to about 30 gigs of music on it, and then it just freaks out. So it's like so, some sectors got messed up someplace or a platter got messed up. I can still use it a little bit, but overall, it, it, it can't use the whole capacity. But that's now, the- in terms of repairing one, what does it cost to go to a third-party reseller and say, I need a new drive. What's it, $100, $150? Um, I haven't looked in a couple of years, but it's definitely less than 100 bucks. And if you really want, I think you can get a 240 or 250 gig drive to put in it. Remember, the iPod Classic is still 160 gigabytes and has been for, you know, since it was introduced. So you can get a bigger drive that size. And- okay, by the way, I did look it up. One dealer called DigiExpress 
called iPod Professionals 9999 for a new hard drive. When you look at the 64 gigabyte iPod Touch, it's 399, and that's 64 gigabytes compared to the 160 gigabytes of the iPod Classic. I'm going to look at Apple's press release, okay? For the iPod Touch, and we're going to see here the iPod Touch. They're talking about just 32 and 64 for 299, 399. Right. But they say the fourth generation iPod Touch is 199 and 249. And that's for 16 and 32 gigabytes. Right. So it is confusing. It's confusing when they keep two generations of something alive like that. You know, they've been doing that with the iPhone now for a while. Doing that with the iPod Touch, I'm not really sure it's a good idea. It could be just as long as they have stock because they have a few million left. It could be Uh, that. We're going to have to have this left. But first, may I remind you, you can find us on Twitter at TechNightHow. That's TechNightHow at Twitter. Please send us a tweet. Also, visit our forums at forum.technighthow.com. Once again, that's forum.technighthow.com. It's kind of an underutilized place because we don't promote it very much, but we're going to. Forum.technighthow.com. We have Kirk McElhern, author and writer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. We've all heard the phrase, don't judge a book by its cover. A wise saying for sure. Now apply that wisdom to nutrition. Don't judge milk by the animal. Camel milk, the best kept health secret ever. See for yourself at camelmilkforsale.com and look for the summer camel milk special. Loaded with health benefits far superior to other milk, camel milk has antibacterial, antiviral, and anti-tumor properties, is rich in B vitamins, and is three times higher in vitamin C than cow's milk. 10 times higher in iron. Plus, it contains 52 units of insulin-like proteins per liter, effectively lowering blood sugar levels. Many of our members testified that drinking camel milk reversed diabetes and greatly improved autism. Camel milk comes fresh or frozen from your trusted local family farm, shipped on dry ice to preserve freshness. Go to CamelMilkForSale.com now and look under products and pricing for the summer special with free bonus pints. That's CamelMilkForSale.com. 
Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. In a coming-apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. Okay, final topic of our discussion is the possibility of the iPad Mini. So where do we go from that? And also, does that kind of hurt the potential for an iPod Touch? Well, that's one of the most interesting things here because you've got to look at the pricing that's possible for an iPad mini. So at the high end on the iPod Touch, you're up to 400 bucks already. If you look at the iPad, the current iPad, it starts at $400 for the previous generation um, for the iPad 2. And what is it? 499 for the 16 gig new iPad. So what price are you going to have an iPad mini? You're going to put it lower than the price of the iPod Touch. Now, we're talking about a 64-gigabyte iPod Touch. Obviously, an iPad mini, let's say it's going to be 16 gigs. Now, the basic 199 tablets have 8 gigabytes of memory. Right. So, for example, a Nexus 7 from Google, 199. If you want the 16-gigabyte version, it's 249. So if you have a 7.85-inch iPad mini it has to be 299 because at 399 you get the full size model of the iPad unless, 2 has on, to be give, 299 they, so right, if you're going to have an iPad mini that. you make it 299 right but if they discontinue the iPad 2 that gives them a little more leeway there's no reason now, to do that they're selling plenty I, of them there's I don't, no reason first of all a smaller version for 399 i think is going to be a non-starter it's going to be looked at as extremely non-competitive 
Apple probably is forced into 299 pricing. I don't see them releasing an 8 gig iPad Mini. I don't no, see. No, I'm being- talking about it'd be a 16 for 299, a 32 for 399. Right now, so 299, you have a 16 gig iPad or a 32 gig iPod Touch. That's you know that's a pretty tough call. Obviously, you know the iPad's bigger. It's worth a lot more. It makes the iPod Touch look really expensive all of a sudden. So I, I think I think that assuming the iPad Mini is true, and there seems to be enough evidence to suggest it, um, I think the pricing is going to be a really tough choice because of the iPod Touch, because of the iPad, the iPad Two. They've got a crowded product line, and now that they have two iPod touches, fourth generation and fifth generation. Um, the iPod Nano has a touchscreen. Obviously, it doesn't compare, but you've got a very crowded product line. You have a matrix that starts to look a little more like Dell than, than Apple. Apple is not going to make it that confusing. I could see iPad mini in a couple of sizes, maybe a version with LTE. I see iPad 2. I see new iPad. That yeah. is not too confusing because, look, we have the iPhone 4 is still available, the 4S and the 5. I'd put my money on the demise of the iPad 2 in that case because you're giving people three choices. Um, most people aren't going to appreciate the difference in terms of, you know, why is this one more expensive? This one's bigger. Why is it um, cheaper? What's wrong with it? It's, it's confusing. So no matter what, I think I'm looking forward to the iPad mini. I think it's a great idea. I think the iPad's just a little too heavy to read in bed. I kind of like reading on the Kindle Touch because it's very light, but I don't particularly like the contrast Um, what size screen do we have on the kindle it's a six inch so it's a little bit smaller than what the ipad mini is likely to be okay the ipad mini will likely be 7.85 inches with a 4-3 aspect ratio which is good for book reading is it is and if they keep the same resolution as the ipad 2 it won't be retina display although you never know with apple what they might do it will be sharper and probably sharp enough It'll be sharp enough to read books. And the big advantage of that over a basic Kindle is that the Kindle, and I haven't seen, no one's seen the new Kindle paperweight yet, um, which has more fonts because the current uh, Kindles only have basically two fonts. One is a, a serif font and regular and condensed and the other sans serif. Um, the advantage of an iPad for reading is that uh, if you're reading in iBooks, you have a number of fonts available, um, an, a, a large number of fonts to choose from, and it makes for much more agreeable reading. And with a sharper screen, the fonts don't have to be as chunky. You know, the, the, the Kindle with the contrast needs to have bolder fonts. It's a much less attractive reading experience, in my opinion. And I think the iPad mini would be a real, real popular device for people who are buying tablets to read books. And you can still do most of the things you do on a regular iPad. All the things is just a somewhat smaller screen, but not that much smaller. And if it's priced just above those really cheap entries, Apple still gets the iPad ecosystem. Join the iPad ecosystem. Get everything you want. And remember, too, if you like Amazon, you like Kindles. Remember, Amazon has Kindle apps for Android and iOS, and so does Nook from Barnes & Noble. What's interesting is that when you compare all these different ebook readers, it's actually the iPad that is the most flexible for that reason. 
with the Kindle, you can read Kindle. With the Nook, you can read Nook. Uh, with the iPad, you've got these apps for all these different things. So you can get books from Apple. You can get books from Amazon. You can get um, books from Barnes & Noble. You can get books from Kobo. Um, and there's even a couple of others. Um, none of the other ebook readers offer the ability to read their competitors' books except for Apple. And so here, in, in one case, this is Apple being far more open than the other companies. Isn't that interesting? Apple has the walled garden, sure, but now go to an Amazon Kindle. And now you really want to prove that it's open. How open is Amazon? You're locked into a very small ecosystem in terms of apps. You're locked into their content. You want to read a book from Apple? You want to read a book from Barnes & Noble? Forget about it. You'll have to root or jailbreak your Kindle. Yeah, Kindle is not something for apps, right out. Kindle is for books, basically. Um, but it's just, just the way it works, you can't use the, the other. Since there's no apps, you can't get books from other sources because the operating system themselves isn't going to do that. And Apple's not going to give the keys to unlocking their DRM to Amazon to be able to read you know, books from the iBookstore. So, no, the iPad is clearly the most flexible in terms of reading. An iPad mini that's lighter, cheaper, smaller, I mean, to me, it would be nearly perfect except for one thing, and that's you still can't read it in the sun. And that's where the Kindle works. Well, it still hasn't hurt Apple, not that much. And we have to see here whether Amazon is going to do well with the Kindle Fire HD. Remember that the larger version, which is, what, 8.9 inches? The larger version does not ship until almost Thanksgiving. That pretty much kills a lot of the Christmas orders, doesn't it? Yeah, I think what's going to be the killer Kindle is the paperwhite. Well, I keep wanting to say paperweight, and you know who chose that name? Because there you've got the, the advantages of the Kindle that you can read in the sun, plus you have a backlight, um, so you can read it in bed without having to shine a bright light on it. Uh, it's small, it's light. For me, I mean, I like the Kindle because it's small and it's light. And this new one with the backlight with smaller fonts because of the the way it's lit and the contrast, um, it looks like that's going to be the killer Kindle. I really don't think the Kindle Fire is going to take off anywhere near as much as that is. We'll have to see how that really plays out and whether Apple is really going to introduce an iPad mini. But I'll tell you what, I did ask that question of Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. And Jim tends to get everything right. When he says yes, he did say there's going to be another Apple event in October. And what else could it be for? It could be for a new Mac Pro. <laughs> no, because we have Tim Cook saying already that the Mac Pro upgrade is going to come next year. Well, there's going to be there's going to be upgrades to you know to the iMac. Um, I think we're going to expect some Retina displays on other Macs than the MacBook Pro, um, and you know getting those out in time for Christmas that could be a good time for that as well. So it it could be an event that could be for an iPad Mini, but also for let's say new iMacs, new MacBook Air, a MacBook Air with a Retina screen that would be really nice. Tell you what, Kirk McElhern, tell us where we can find more of your stuff. Um, I'm all over the place these days. A lot of stuff on Macworld, macOS10hints.com, as you mentioned earlier, my own website, macklehorn.com, and, you know, Twitter, all the Google Plus every once in a while, every three months I check into Google Plus, so just, you know, look me up. We'll look them up. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks, Gene. 
America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockaways. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. What's better than Mountain House freeze dried food? Buckets of Mountain House freeze dried food. Now, the freeze dry guy introduces convenient, easy to store Mountain House survival buckets filled with our top selling items. Each item is sealed in a mylar type pouch, and each pouch is neatly packed in clear buckets so you can easily see the contents inside. These Mountain House survival buckets come with well over a 25 year shelf life and are perfect for emergency preparedness, camping, backpacking, or at home use. Go to freezedryguy.com, click on freeze dried foods, and choose our 12 month, 6 month, 3 month, 1 month, or or seven-day Mountain House Survival Bucket with 32 generous servings starting at just $69.95. And all orders to the lower 48 ship free. Call 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. That's 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. 100% veteran-owned. The Freeze Dry Guy. Every day, nearly 3,000 families enter into foreclosure and face losing their home. If you're currently behind on your mortgage, you can still avoid foreclosure. You can save your home, but you need to act now. We're Allied State Foreclosure Services. We're experts in saving homes from foreclosure. With just one phone call to us, you can stop the foreclosure process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, and save your home. Call now. The call is free with no obligation. 1-800-597-8843. Call us if you've been threatened with foreclosure, denied loan modification, or missed a payment on your mortgage, if you've been a victim of a predatory loan or are upside down on your mortgage, even if you've lost your job and you're worried about losing your home, don't wait. Call us now and let us help you save your home. You've worked hard to build a life with your family. Let us help you keep your home. Call now before it's too late. 1-800-597-8843. 1-800-597-8843. 1-800-597-8843. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP 
is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. We have Daniel Arendelger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. The main topic of discussion, of course, is this week's announcement of the iPhone 5 from Apple. Now, it looks like we have Apple derangement syndrome in full bore this week. So, for example, we have one senior editor over at CNET by the name of Molly Wood. Now, I should point out in retrospect, I worked with her at CNET when I wrote the first article about the Mac OS X public beta. And Molly is a nice woman, but she has a habit of wanting to stoke the fires, get a little flames going, things like that. So she's complaining about Apple's new lightning connector. And I guess because suddenly we need adapters for the old connectors, as if it's wrong to change the design. They want to use, I guess, mini USB, right? I, you mean CNET? No, I'm saying that people who make the complaint about oh, this, no, people I, I who complain they, about I mean, what Apple's decision would have preferred that Apple go to mini USB. Well, uh, that's, that's really short-sighted because mini USB is only USB. It's a serial interface. What Apple is, has pointed out, they haven't like released the whole spec of what's going on with this new adapter, but what it, it's not just a single uh, interface. It allows for a, a number of different things. It, it, it supports uh, video output for HDMI, and um, it supports these, the older docks. It's not clear exactly what's going to be supported, so, but people are trying to freak out. They're trying to find things to make a headline for. And so... You know, they're trying to say all oh, these old docks that people used to use. You know, you plug your iPhone in it, and it. Um, some of them did video output. Some of them did audio output. But, I mean, if you remember any, any other device that we've ever had, remember 10 years ago or 20 years ago, how long it's been, I forgot, the Palm Pilots. Every time Palm came out with the Palm Pilot, they would change the adapter on it, it seemed like. And... Um, it was just kind of a, a normal thing. And every time a phone came out, every phone has a different charger. Every phone in the world had a different charger back in, like, the Nokia days. Sure. And they've sort of tried to standardize on USB, USB 2, the little mini USB. And even on Android phones, somebody wants to plug in their Android phone, it's like, okay, what kind of connector do you have? Do you have regular mini USB, or do you have the micro USB, or is it some other kind of weird thing? Um, there's not... It's not like everything has one port and Apple's doing something weird. It's Apple has had one port since 2003 on every iPod and every iPhone iOS device made. Basically, I could take the cable that I use, a USB to dock connector, 
back in 2004 or whenever Apple went to USB and use it today with my iPhone. Yeah, I mean, there was, there was like kind of an unprecedented level of backwards compatibility for the last decade of iPods and iOS devices. And it, it's a big kind of clunky connector that is directional. You have to think about how to put it in which way. It's just like USB. I find it annoying. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're taking the opportunity to introduce something that's kind of improved on a number of different levels. Um, th- there's actually, there are actually significant technological advantages to it. it it's very much like uh, the MagSafe connector on MacBooks. You know, there's, there is a technical advantage to it, and at the same time, Apple's using this to control the market for third-party devices. I mean, they, they have already done that with, a, with the dock connector. But, um, so basically, yeah. they're doing what they did. Now they have what they hope to be a better idea. I like the fact that it's reversible. And you have to look at the situation right now. You look at the current dock connector, and you really have to look pretty carefully to see which way to go it goes in. And I wonder how many people damage the things. I know with mini USB, you know, where you have the curved top and the straight bottom, you know, in really narrow surroundings, it's easy to force it in the wrong way. It never goes in easy. And I've seen a few of those ports where cables get broken. Yeah, and they're, the the cables aren't free either. I mean, it, people are trying to make a big deal about, you know, Apple's trying to charge $29 for a cable. You know, and that's not too usurious because, you know, if you go and buy a TV these days, they try to sell you an HDMI cable for it for $100. Oh, it's worse than that. You can buy an HDMI cable for, what, $10, $20, and it's all digits. You know, it's a digital cable. It meets the spec. Or you can go and get these crazy cables for $100, $200, and more, imagining that somehow the picture is going to get better. Well, yeah, I mean, there's always crazy cables, but if you go to, you know, Best Buy or something... Um, you the get the cheapest cables, cables at Walmart. That's it, folks. But, but the only cables they have are $100. And, I mean, that's kind of typical. Everyone's trying to charge that. You know, yeah, Walmart brings in the super cheap stuff. But um, to suggest that Apple's really, like, you know, doing something not, you know, out of the ordinary here... It's just the same as, you know, when, when Microsoft came out with the Zune and everybody was acting like, oh, it's going to be so much cheaper. And they came out with all these accessories that were the exact same price as Apple's, except they were a little, you know, off and didn't work with anything else. And if you look at every other phone maker, they make their own little proprietary cables and whatever that, you know, they're charging money for. But, but the, um, the thing with Lightning is that it actually does more than just USB. USB is... You know, for syncing and for sending data back and forth. And for charging, of course. Yeah. So this, this allows you to do a couple other things. But a lot, what they pointed out was a lot of what you do doesn't require a cable anymore, apart from charging. So a lot of people are just going to be using it like USB, and they're not going to notice a difference because they're just going to plug it into their computer with the cable comes in the box. It's, it's really kind of just trying to invent a... a you know, some kind of hand-wringing... They're inventing a controversy. Molly Wood, I'm talking to you now. I like you. I really do. But you're inventing a controversy. That's something you do like every so often. So you're inventing a controversy, and other people are doing the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. Of course, I'll never get any more work from CNET because I don't longer do anything for CNET, so it doesn't matter. I can complain. But the key is here is that they're complaining about nothing. 
And we don't know all the things that Lightning can do. It's not just a simple, as you say, USB charging cable. There's more. They're working with other companies to build out more capabilities. We'll probably see accessories that are doing things in a different and better way as a result. But it won't come immediately. Right before they announced it, I um, I, I noticed that it, it. I saw the correlation between the number of pins that Lightning is using and USB 3.0, which right now USB 2.0 is is very fast for an iOS device. I mean, it it would be hard to max out the capacity of USB 2, just doing syncing or something with a you know a 64 gig device, because RAM has has speed limits as well. But it, it makes it seem that the design of the connector was designed with the future in mind. So they can support USB 3.0. I'm not sure if it's supported right now, but there's there's a couple things that we don't know yet. One is what kind of chip the A6 is, and another is what exactly Lightning is. And there are some hints to suggest that the A6 is actually a Cortex-A15, which, you know, Samsung's chips have USB 3.0 in them. So it's possible that this could all be in the in the pipeline so that we'll have even faster syncing in the future. It's possible some of the stuff could be enabled with software or just might be already there and we don't know about it. Yeah, well the hardware would have to be there first. So I mean that yeah, that is something that could either come in the future or, you know, next year's stuff. But remember too that the the new Macs this summer all started shipping with USB 3.0. And bear in mind also with Lightning, this is the first generation. We assume when Apple added this new connection technology, they weren't looking till next year. They're looking for something that's going to last five or ten years. So yeah. there will be more and more capabilities and features as time goes on. And the same thing happened with the 30-pin dock connector that you know originally came out in 2003. And ostensibly the, the reason for it was to provide both FireWire and USB 2 or yeah, USB 2.0, because PCs typically didn't have FireWire, and Apple was using FireWire on the Macs. You know, a lot of Macs didn't have USB 2 when it first came out, and so they had this like crazy Y can Y cable thing, whatever. So they had this big wide connector that you know, ten years later, the wide part isn't so good, but the nature of what those 30 pins are has changed. So over time, they you know relegated FireWire to charging, and then they like. Erased FireWire support altogether, and they added new stuff. So you could put on, you know, component video, or you know, now you can do HDMI DVI type video output. All sorts of things. We'll have all sorts of more things coming. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. 
We the people grow cotton, we fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Since 1974, Evelyn Gibson has helped thousands of people live healthier, happier, and more productive lives. Gibson'sHealth.com demonstrates, educates, and inspires customers to replace their healthy rows of lifestyles with a health-enhancing one. Now, clean up your body and colon without fasting using Herbal Fiber Blend from Gibson'sHealth.com. Most colon cleansers require you to fast and do colon irrigations, but Herbal Fiber Blend is the only body and colon cleanser that cleans without fasting. A plaque Lined colon invites parasites and candida, and we are overweight because we must eat twice as much to absorb good nutrients. Herbal Fiber Blend also cleans the kidneys and liver, not just the colon. No other cleanser on the market compares to Herbal Fiber Blend. To buy Herbal Fiber Blend from Gibson's Health at wholesale prices, call 800-388-6844. That's 800-388-6844. Or go to gibsonshealth.com. Since 1974, over 30,000 healthier customers. Welcome back to Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine at AppleInsider.com. We started talking about what Apple has done with the iPhone 5. One of them is to introduce the lightning cable, which is a tiny cable that is reversible, so it doesn't matter which direction you plug it in, it works. Now, there was another article from another site saying that Apple's stock price was basically unmoving or not going anywhere during this announcement. And I'm looking, and we're doing this show on a Friday, which it's going to be broadcast on a Saturday. And Apple is now just shy of $700 for their stock price. Now, I don't know what it's going to close on Friday. It was just shy of $697, actually, to be precise. What this means is between the time you hear this show, we're going to see Apple hit a $700 stock price and then some. So who is this idiot who was saying that Wall Street wasn't very impressed with the announcements? They're making well, up stories. Well, there's there's this whole like real time coverage of of stock prices, and people are trying to guess what's making things go up and down. And the reality is that stock prices go up and down based on a lot of factors. There, you know, Microsoft will release earnings that are less than people expected, and the entire tech industry will go down, including Apple, which is you know uh, the beneficiary of Microsoft doing badly. Um, so there's all kinds of irrational things that happen, and. If you look at Apple's stock price, it was it was right at six eighty, right before this week, and then it just every day it went down and down and down, right before the uh, announcement. And it's like, why is it doing that? Do, do investors really think that Apple is worth you know less money every day? And then after the announcement, it goes right back up, and then adds some more. It's just kind of nutball stuff going back and forth. If you look at short term, it's very much a gamble. It's people trying to outsmart each other in this sort of 
disconnected from reality way. But if you look at long term, if you back up to the you know monthly, yearly, multiple year range of Apple stock price, it's pretty clear what's happening. That's the trend that people should be concerned about, not what is happening each day. And investors do not control Apple's stock price based on you know what announcement has been made. You know there. The people who are talking about, you know, oh, the iPhone 5 is disappointing or whatever, they may have a be able to create a, a panic at one point or something, but that's not what Apple stock price is based on. It's based on their ability to make money. And anyone who thinks, anyone who wants to bet that Apple is not going to make money on iPhone 5 should not be buying and selling stocks. <laughs> Frankly speaking, if you can't afford to lose money, don't gamble and don't invest in the stock market. End of story. Yeah, it can be a dangerous place because things don't always make sense. I mean, there's been a lot of, you know, I always looked at Apple stock price a long time ago and Apple was valued. I mean, this is before, you know, people were excited about the iPhone or even before the iPod. I remember writing an article at one point quite a long time ago about looking at, I think it was either real networks or, or some somebody in the area of video that was worth more than Apple, even though Apple had... QuickTime, which was, you know, basically the same thing as they had. Same thing with Palm. Palm at one point was worth more than Apple, even though all they had was the, the Palm Pilot. And it was, it was just, there was always this kind of nutball thing running around where people would get excited about one product or one concept and they wouldn't look at the real value of companies. And Apple's always, has, has historically, as long as I've been covering the company, been tremendously undervalued. And they still are. If you look at compared to the amount of money they make and their ability to consistently earn revenues, if you look at the amount of value that they've been assigned by shareholders compared to every other company in technology, it's pretty dramatically obvious that Apple is tremendously underrated. You want to hear something really amazing? I just heard this the other day. If the iPhone 5 does any decent numbers at all, which is obviously expected... Apple could single-handedly increase the gross domestic product of the United States of America by one quarter to one half percent. You heard this? Yeah. Wow. That's pretty crazy. I mean, it's totally nuts because I'm thinking of a time like seven or eight years ago, I went to a Macworld Expo and I took a friend from Georgia who had never attended an Apple Macworld Expo, or, of course, the keynote address with Steve Jobs. And he sat there with me. And within a very short amount of time after the session ended, he called a stockbroker. This guy had a lot of money and bought about $140,000 worth of Apple stock. And this was when the price was, what, one-twentieth of what it is now? Imagine if he held on to that stock. Imagine. Yep, there's a lot of people that made a lot of money on Apple stock. I'm not one of them. Because as a tech journalist, technically, I'm not supposed to invest in companies that I cover. So I think I'm in the wrong business. I don't know. But anyway. A lot looking, of us are in the wrong business. <laughs> right. You know, we're, sitting, we're starving writers or starving broadcaster, whatever you want to say, instead of the people who are making all that money. So anyway, we now know I'm in the wrong business. But let's just kind of look at these things objectively and try to get a picture at it here. We have the iPhone 5, and we have then the criticism, which is let's compare this to the Android phones and see where Apple may not meet all the specs. And I think one of them is 
Apple is allegedly late to the party with LTE. Now, the people who write this forget that the first iPhone didn't support the 3G standard. It was still rolling out at the time in 2007, so Apple decided not to support it because, you know, the chips weren't fully developed and the technology was imperfect. They did the same thing with LTE, right? Yeah, LTE was actually out. I mean, Verizon was... So, in the kind of history of the iPhone, when the iPhone came out, Verizon had a pretty good 3G network. But it was the slow end of 3G. And remember and also that they didn't have Verizon until several years later. Yeah, so, so Verizon was the option that Apple didn't take. And Apple instead partnered with AT&T, which was kind of desperate for a phone because AT&T had, was this clunking along. Well, while as, um, Verizon was, was all the CDMA networks in America, AT&T was sort of this conglomeration of all of the uh, GSM networks. In fact, you know, they weren't even called AT&T when the iPhone first launched. They, they were called Singular. Singular, yeah. And Singular I remember. Play on, you know, all these companies becoming one company. All these, basically all the GSM carriers in America were merging, uh, all, you know, all the major ones. And then they rebranded as AT&T when the iPhone launched. And, they, you know, the, the iPhone helped them launch that. And at that time, they, they had a pretty basic GSM network that... They had some 3G service, but they didn't have nationwide 3G service. And like you're saying, the chipsets weren't really there. It wasn't really sophisticated in the United States, where in Europe it was pretty widespread, GSM-style 3G. So Apple was kind of constrained by a number of factors, technology and you know, kind of real world where the networks are, to launch the iPhone without 3G service. And it was not a problem in retrospect. And if you look, I actually did an article that was like looking at every generation and how you know, what Apple launched and how Apple competed with other companies. And it wasn't until the 3GS that Apple even had a camera capable of capturing video. I kind of forgot that in retrospect. But there were so many cases where Apple put a thing on the market that was not the technological leader, but it didn't matter because the software was better. And if you look at, for example, the iPhone 4S... It was not even, or even the iPhone 4. I mean, that's the first phone that Verizon got. And when the 4 launched, Verizon was busy launching LTE. They're making a big production about LTE. And then it was like, oh, yes, and we also have the iPhone. And the iPhone outsold all their LTE devices. That was the beginning of 2011. Throughout all of 2011 and throughout all of 2012, the iPhone on Verizon has outsold Verizon's LTE devices, which is what they're pushing and so the comment I made is that the, the slowest iPhone in the world, on the slowest network in the world, is outselling the fastest network in America on the biggest carrier that's pushing LTE in the world. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> Great.
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Hi, Jason Lewis here. Anybody who's been listening to my program knows how shaky the U.S. economy is right now. Will we have a V-shaped recovery or will it be a W-shaped one where the nation slips back into recession? Of course, if you think that Washington can spend or inflate its way out of a downturn, you've got nothing to worry about. But as you know, I have my doubts. So let me tell you about gold. Now, as my friend Ted Anderson from Midas Resources likes to say, gold, like all commodity markets, fluctuates in price and you could lose money. But it has never been worth zero. Give it some thought. And if you're interested in converting your IRA to gold or would like to actually have it in your possession, call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237. The U.S. dollar was once backed by gold, but has since lost 90% of its value. And if things don't change, I'm afraid the trend will continue. Call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237 for gold and tell them Jason Lewis sent you. Here it is, another election year. And here you are again wishing you knew more about the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the other amendments, and the Declaration of Independence. But who has the time to study? Wouldn't it be nice if you could simply listen to them? And wouldn't it be great if they came packaged with an index? Yep, an index that lets you go to any part of the founding documents just by punching in a track number on your computer or CD player. What exactly is the Ninth Amendment? Track 10, play. It's that simple. The Founding Documents Collection on Audio CD. To get yours now, just go to Amazon.com and type in Founding Documents Collection CD. For just $19.95 and $3.99 shipping and handling, you'll have the firepower you need to argue from the ultimate facts that form our nation's foundation. Want to be a hero? Get one for you and give another to your local school for Constitution Day. Go to Amazon.com now and type in Founding Documents Collection CD. My name is Angie, and ever since my daughter had alternating diarrhea and constipation, she suffered from hair loss, listlessness, and was stunted in her growth. After getting her onto two supplements suggested by Nutripath Stephen Hewer, she has improved dramatically. Her stools have normalized, her hair and her body are growing again, and she is beaming. I credit the majority of her improvement to One World Way. Children love the taste of One World Way, and their growing bodies are getting nature's best source of protein. Evidence shows that non-denatured whey protein powder is a better source of protein than meat, milk, or eggs. If you have finicky children and you want a protein that will support their growth, energy, and healthy brain function, One World Way is a must for you to try. Kids prefer it over junk food. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. 888-988-3325 or visit 
oneworldway.com. That's oneworld, W-H-E-Y.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. We focus primarily on the iPhone 5 announcements and all the strange chatter about it. The other thing, of course, with LTE, Daniel Aaron Dilger, is that battery life was particularly poor, as a result of which Motorola had to introduce something called, what, the Razer Max or something like that, the Droid Razer Max, or the names are all confusing and kind of running together in my head, with a thicker battery, a heavier battery to compensate. Yeah, there's some of these first-generation phones that, I mean, that's what they're still selling, that use so much battery, even if you have it plugged in in your car, it's the battery is actually discharging while it's plugged in because it's using more battery than it can pull from your charger. That's how much battery these LTE phones were using. And part of the reason for that is because they have two chips. One does the CDMA, which is what it uses for voice, and one does LTE. A lot of people don't realize that LTE is only used for data right now, so it's a data overlay on Verizon. So when you place a phone call, you're using CDMA, and when you are downloading data, you're using LTE. And on a lot of these Android phones, they're able to do both at once. So you can you can be talking on LTE or you're talking on CDMA, and it's also doing downloads over LTE, which the iPhone doesn't do that because it has both chips on one, and it uses one antenna that it goes back and forth with. So you can, if you have Wi-Fi, you can do like it's it's pretty much the same situation as now. So if you have Wi-Fi, you can talk on the phone while you're doing data stuff. But if you are exclusively on Verizon's cellular network, and I believe Sprint is the same way, you can either place a phone call or you can make data connections, which is the same as it was with iPhone 4S and the 4 before them. Didn't seem to hurt the sales much. Yeah, it's not really a a problem with sales. It's something that people are trying to pull out as a big news story. I, I fail to see how it's a huge problem. I mean, the number of times that I've tried to use i mean there's there's a couple times where you're trying to pull up a map or something when you're talking to somebody on the phone so it it's not like it's not a problem at all but it's not like i mean how many times to do that and most of the time i'm on wi-fi anyway but the other thing that has changed is the fact that there are now three models to support different lt networks in different areas so there's one that's for at&t in canada there's another that's for it's it's stated to be for sprint and verizon in the u.s and is it KTTI in Japan? This is very complicated, CDMA folks. carrier in Japan. And then there's yeah. another one for most of Europe and the rest of the world, Asia. But there's also networks that, it doesn't, that no iPhone currently supports. There's some LT networks. But Apple doesn't have any deals with them, so there's no real reason for it to support those networks. And there's certainly a possibility that Apple could, just like the you know, Verizon iPhone, they could come out with another model later. They can always introduce a model with a different chip supporting different frequencies. And if they're going to sell, you know, 20, 30 million copies, I guess they'll do it. Well, it's all the same chip, actually. All, all the phones are using the same chip, just like with the iPad. Was well, it modifying the firmware then? How do they make the changes? Yeah, it's, it, I think it also has to do with the antenna. I'm not exactly sure. I have, I've, I've looked at, you know, previous models, how they designed the different AT&T and um, Verizon 
iPhone 4s, those actually used different chips and were a different design. And then with the 4S, they turned it into a world design. But even if you have an AT&T phone, you can't just like use it on Verizon, even though it technically has that ability. So, I mean, there's, there's technical constraints and there's constraints from the carriers. But one thing that is interesting is the Verizon version of the phone seems to be the most international. So if you roam a lot, you probably want to get the Verizon phone because it supports the most LTE bands. Of course, you know, the way they have the cell phone system now, if you get a domestic phone with a domestic carrier and then you want to roam internationally, they'll rip you off. Yeah, but I think Verizon is the least likely to stop you from using a foreign uh, SIM card. So I have, for example, the Verizon iPad. And when I went to Japan, um, one of my readers there gave me a Japanese SIM card to use. And I just popped in and used it. I didn't have to ask Verizon to unlock it or anything. Right, but that's, of course, with an iPad, with an iPhone. It's yeah, very hard. It is more they do sometimes unlock your iPhone if you're a long-term customer. If you say two Hail Marys, I don't know what you do. Yeah, but Verizon is more likely to unlock than AT&T, at least in the past. Just like AT&T has been less likely to support new features. You know, they, they didn't support MMS right away. They didn't support tethering right away. And um, they're not supporting FaceTime over cellular right away. So AT&T is kind of the most problematic carrier for Apple in terms of supporting their features. But they sell a lot of phones. Yeah, they've been the launch partner. They've, they helped launch Apple. So that's why Apple go. puts up with it. Well, the carriers all have their different problems. Who knows? Okay, so looking at the iPhone 5, we see the LTE complaint, which is ridiculous because Apple waited until they could put everything on one chip and the power utilization was efficient because you got to think about it now. We have LTE, which is traditionally more power hungry. We have dual band Wi-Fi, which supposedly will use more power. We have a larger display, although combining it with a touch screen, I guess, makes it more efficient. Despite that, despite the unit being lighter and thinner, with a bigger screen, it gets more battery life. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of efficiencies that are going on in, in the device. It's using this brand new Qualcomm chip, which does all the baseband stuff, the Wi-Fi. And then Apple's own A6, which is a brand new thing. And it's smaller than previous chips have been I mean, in terms of how it's built. So all those things contribute to battery life. But there's a lot of engineering that Apple does, and a lot of engineering is saying no. And when you look at competitors and you know people that are doing checklists and they're saying, oh, does it have this? Does it have, does it have an NFC chip? Does it have this and that and the other thing? A lot more of engineering is about saying no than saying, yeah, let's put this junk on it too. And Apple has been has always been kind of rigorous about making decisions to say, this isn't ready yet. We're not going to do it. It goes all the way back to you know the first Mac and the first Next were black and white or monochrome. And you know, the Newton was monochrome, and the first iPods were monochrome. They could have done crappy color, because that's what Microsoft would have done, and historically did, with its computers and tablets and whatever. But there's always been this, you know, we're not going to do it until it's right. And so they, that's, that's what they did with 3G. That's what they're doing with LTE in the last year. You know, you can always take issue with the decisions Apple's making, but in retrospect, they seem to be the right ones. And also, they have a feature in there called wideband audio for the cellular connection for voice connections. Now, the problem with that, of course, is it depends on the carrier supporting that technology. Carriers in Europe, I suppose, are going to support it, and it means you get good quality audio. You know, you don't have the tinny, digitally compressed sound of normal cell phones. It'll sound really good, except 
in the United States, none of the carriers will support that yet. At least Apple's making a move, though. Yeah, so uh, I think Sprint, I believe, has its own version of something like that, but it uses different technology. So, yeah, no, it's not going to be something that the U.S. carriers are going to support. It's basically just a more sophisticated codec for compressing your voice. But um, at the same time, Apple is also incorporating new microphones and uh, also using new noise correction, both in the earpiece and in the mic now. So they're going to be better regardless of the carrier support or not. So if you call somebody from the restaurant, it won't be quite as bad as it was before. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. He is not at a restaurant, to my knowledge. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All Renovation Teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order Renovation Teas at RenovationTea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Tees. Renovate your health one bag at a time. America, land of the free. But how free can you be, really, when Internet viruses and malware can attack your computer? Sure, you have antivirus protection, but it's not free, is it? Until now. Now, Zone Alarm offers free antivirus protection. And independent studies show that Zone Alarm provides better malware protection than even Norton and McAfee. And they're not free, are they? Declare your freedom and go to GetBetterForFree.com. That's GetBetterForFree.com. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Positive results from satisfied customers of Heart and Body Extract continue to pour into our website, hbextract.com. This is Al from New Jersey. One day I saw your ad for Heart and Body Extract, and it mentioned that it would help me with angina, so I decided to order. I figure I had nothing to lose. Heart and Body Extract supplies your body with everything it needs to balance itself and maintain optimal heart and circulatory health with no negative side effects. I took the formula three times a day as directed, and I kid you not, within four days, my angina pain was completely gone. Order HB Extract by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. I could not believe it actually stopped the pain. Heart and Body Extract actually works. This is just an amazing product. Even the numbness in my hands is completely gone. Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. It's all iPhone 5 all the time with Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. And we're focusing on the criticisms made of the product. And I think one criticism we've also heard in general is Apple didn't make it enough of an improvement. And the only question I have is what do you think Apple's going to do? Have one that also does washing machine chores on the side, little hand comes out and, and does your towels and your socks and shoes and stuff? You know, polish your shoes also with an iPhone. What do people want? When is a new model sufficient? Well, in the past, there's actually been a few things that people have said, you know, legitimate criticisms of the iPhone. It had a crappy camera when it first came out. We were talking about 3G, things like GPS they didn't have on launch. This time, it's like people are really stretching to try to find things that, you know, are common on Android phones that the iPhone 5 didn't ship with. NFC. Do we need NFC? Explain to our listeners what we're talking about here. NFC is an RFID chip. A lot of places use them on a plastic card. So, like, my bank sent me a a debit card with an NFC chip in it that you're supposed to be able to tap instead of swipe. So, it's like an alternative to swiping a magnetic band. You have it's just a proximity. You hold it in proximity, and there's a chip on the other end that there's. I think it's kind of like a magnetic a radio sort of connection that does a slow exchange of your data as opposed to you know a magnetic swipe. So, it isn't something that's tremendously useful. But it's getting used in a lot of places, for example, in transit. Like in, in San Francisco now, your transit pass, you just tap it. So you don't have to have a card swipe. It's a little faster, maybe. And in some places in Japan, it's quite widespread that you can pay with a tap card. In transit, you can pay with convenience, convenience stores and, like, what do you call it, vending machines. But there's a couple of different standards for that. Sony has one, and somebody else has... There's a variety of competing standards for how to do the chip te- technology, and it's not very widespread elsepre but now really- I got the impression in reading the interview with Phil Schiller from Apple 
that he regards the technology as, number one, not enough support. And I get the implication from what he said, only a few words were used, that the technology is underdeveloped. If there are a lot of standards and the industry hasn't picked a single unified standard, that's another reason not to support it. Well, if you look at how Google has tried to do it, they put initial support in Android a couple years ago, and then last year they were trying to really roll it out. They put it on their their flagship Nexus-branded phone, and they went around in all across America, I think. I know they did in San Francisco. They're paying like corner stores and you know various point of presence. I mean, I mean, what do you call it? Cash registers. Anywhere there's a cash register, they have replaced the magnetic swipe machine with a swiper and a little tap thing. I think they're working with some of the credit card companies to do this. So they put them everywhere. And I tried to use them a couple of times, and I've never got it to work. And whenever I try to use it, the guy behind the counter is like, oh, yeah, that doesn't work. And here, just swipe it. So it's something that, A, doesn't work. B, there's competing standards for it. C, there's not really a point. If you look at the, the problem that it's solving, it's solving swiping with tapping, which is not really a, a net benefit. The most obvious thing that would benefit with a smartphone is, A, you don't have to carry a credit card. Well, you have to still carry a credit card in the United States anyway. Another thing that could possibly help is that it's if you have it in your smartphone, it's connected to electronics on a mobile network, so you can update over the wire. But so is everything else. You're tapping a, a smart base that is also connected to the Internet. So if you have a Muni card, for example, or something that you can recharge over the network, you go on your smartphone and you do it over the web, and you now have a bigger balance or you know, your Starbucks card, or whatever else that you're putting money on. What Apple did is instead of going with this radio chip that would add cost to every device it sells and require it to work with all these companies to you know deal with this kind of fiddly technology that isn't really working yet, they used basically barcode scanners. And they developed, instead of working on the fixing the swipe, which didn't need to be fixed, they're working on fixing the fact that you don't need to have a dozen cards in your wallet. You can now have them virtually on the phone. So you have your Starbucks card and you have your hotel card and your boarding passes for United or whatever, and they're all on your phone and they pop up in areas where it makes sense. And there's a lot of thought that they gave to like solving some real problems with that in a way that actually benefits people as opposed to just like replacing swipe with tap. So I think Google looks really foolish right now. Well, Google Not- must be feeling foolish because they lost maps. They must be feeling foolish because they lost the lawsuits in the Samsung trial and against Motorola in Germany for bounce back, which is, of course, you know, you scroll to the end of the screen in an iPhone and it bounces back, that Apple owns. And the replacement, which is when you bounce to the edge, you see some kind of glow or something. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Apple has basically destroyed the Android OS as if it wasn't destroyed already. Well, what they did is they, they pulled the rug out from under Android's coasting on the iPhone's inventions. So, you know, Apple developed all the stuff, and Google's just kind of, like, thrown it into Android. And I was like, no, you can't just, like, take all of our stuff and put your name on it. I mean, that's not really fair. It'd be like if, if Google's Nexus stuff was selling really well, and Apple decided to change the iPhone to, you know, Nexus A, that would be kind of a ripoff. People wouldn't really be cool with that. And it's interesting, you, you mentioned Maps. I hear a lot of people talking about, oh, I, I hope Google can put Google Maps on the thing. Google has also been putting a lot into its own maps that Apple hasn't allowed them to put on the iPhone. So if you go to an Android phone, there's a lot, always been a lot of features um, since like 2009 that Google has been putting into Android Google Maps that has not ever been on, on iOS. 
But they're still clunky and they don't look good. If you look at an Android phone, the maps, there are some kind of cool features. But overall, it's just clunky. It looks terrible. And remember that 80% of, at least, Android users are using an old version of Android that's like 2.x, like Froyo Gingerbread, that's like a couple years old. And so the majority of people are using these really ugly maps. So if you really think that everyone's just desperately trying to get Google's version of maps, because we were talking about maps and, and you know, one of the things, a lot of people have been talking about how Google's, they're, they're really excited about Google putting maps on the iPhone to compete with Apple's maps because it's not going to be as good. But if you really look at Apple's maps, they really blow away what Apple had on the previous version of Google Maps on the iPhone. There's just no question about that. There is, you know, features that Google has been putting into Android Maps since 2009 that Apple hasn't adopted. Think, you know, things that Apple is now putting into its own maps. And yet if you look at Android phones, those features, while some of the features are kind of cool, I mean, they had navigation and things like that, um, they look terrible. And they're really fiddly. And 80% of Android users are using an old, a really old version of Android. 80% are using something that's on the level of iOS 3 or 4. It's and they can never get an upgrade. This is not by choice. It is that's the way the device comes. And it's up to the carrier and the handset maker to work with Google to be able to upgrade to a newer OS version. And they don't care. They've got your money. They don't care about the ongoing support. Yeah, so Google has been working really hard to get its you know, modern maps on these older versions of Android, but they still look terrible because it's the old version of Android. The old version and it doesn't Android have the same support for advanced graphics chips and everything else. Yeah, so it's not like there's just a huge bunch of people that have this like tremendous version of Google Maps that are going to be disappointed with iOS 6 maps. And really, I mean, people need to look at iOS 6 maps because once you use it, you don't want to go back. People are talking about Street View, and it's like, oh, just try it, please. You will not want to be desperately going back to Street View after you use what's on. It's phenomenal. I mean, it's really, it just blows your face off to be using Before this. your face comes off, ladies and gentlemen, on the 19th of September, which is a couple of days after you hear the show, you will be able to download iOS 6 and get to see what Apple's Maps iteration is all about and how they've trumped Google. Meantime, Google can't get the targeted ad money. They're losing more and more money from Apple. Obviously, if they're forced to pay royalties, the various Android makers, to Apple in addition to Microsoft, whom they're paying now, it's going to become a bad economic decision to support Android. going to be a mess out there. We'll continue with one more segment with Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider to try to sort out the mess and see what mess the industry is in competing with Apple. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hey, neighbors, you've seen all those crazy, wacky products on TV. The perfect tortilla, easy covers, hot booties, furniture fix, petty spin, and more. Where do you find all that stuff? You go to AsSeenOnTV.com because this is the one-stop source for all of these TV goods advertised. Find all your favorites as seen on TV. Check them out, AsSeenOnTV.com. 
And by the way, save 10%. Here's what you do. Use the code SCENE1, S-E-E-N number one, SCENE1. Go to asseenontv.com to order. Save 10%. Purchase this summer's hottest As Seen on TV items. Save 10%. Or call 1-866-277-3366. 1-866-277-3366. The code SCENE1 to save 10%. Let's keep preparedness simple. Do you need stuff for disasters? Of course you do. For over 15 years, DisasterStuff.com has, well, stuff for disasters. See? Easy to remember. DisasterStuff.com. Want free shipping on a new Berkey water filter? DisasterStuff.com is the official Berkey in-stock shipping center. Lots of folks want an EMP Faraday bag to protect sensitive electronics during a solar or nuclear event. Now for a limited time, all survivors Survival gear purchases over $75 include a free 8x8-inch EMP Faraday bag. Just enter promo code EMPBAG when you check out at DisasterStuff.com. We're also a Country Living Grain Mill authorized dealer. Plus, we offer freeze-dried foods by Alpine Air and Wise Foods. We also carry emergency kits, survival seeds, and much more. Preparedness should be simple, and it is. Just remember, DisasterStuff.com. Freedom through self-reliance and personal responsibility. What do you do when your propane runs out and you don't have a large amount of wood for cooking? That's when you need a Grover Rocket Stove from StockStorage.com. The Grover Rocket Stove starts easily with any combustible material like junk mail, small twigs, leaves, weeds, or dry sagebrush. Then just add a small amount of kindling wood and you'll be cooking entire meals in minutes. Grover Rocket Stoves are made right here in the USA and are built to last a lifetime using heavy-duty thick-gauge steel and are painted with high-temp paint to withstand heat. Go to StockStorage.com and see three great Grover Rocket Stoves, stainless steel, heavy-duty, or our original Grover Rocket Stove for only $135 and get free shipping to the lower 48. For phone orders, call 801-361-6984 or go to StockStorage.com. That's 801-361-6984 or StockStorage.com. The original Grover Rocket Stove Minimal Wood Use Cooking Stoves, available exclusively from StockStorage.com. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl live for one more segment with Daniel Aaron Dilger, our favorite cutting edge columnist. 
And we're now exploring the iPhone 5, but the objections, the things people are saying to denigrate a product that only, what, a couple of hundred journalists have seen so far. They've had a hands-on. It's beautifully built. It's lighter. It still feels solid. And that's another point, too. Somebody made a comment, an industry analyst, comparing the iPhone to a Rolex watch and a lot of these other products, which are priced the same to the end user with a wireless contract, to a Timex. No insult to Timex, but you get my point. Yeah, the, the new phone. I mean, you know, the iPhone 4, when it first came out, it was a really sharp-looking phone. And the ones before that, the 3G and 3GS, they were pretty crappy. And, you know, I was writing, and, you know, Apple has to hit the mass market with this plasticky phone. wasn't as nice as the first one. But when the iPhone 4 came out, it was like, wow, this is, like, really nice. And then, you know, the 4S was the same, and the, the new 5 has a lot a number, a number of sort of subtle details that are really sharp-looking. It's a really nice-looking device. And if you're comparing that to one of these big plasticky Samsung phones, people are, you know, they see the difference. It's a very differentiated experience. And in that, as you note, the price is the same. So people are talking about, you know, it's like a, you know, I saw somebody comparing a Civic to a Mercedes or whatever. And it's like, well, yeah, but the Mercedes isn't like a few bucks more. Right. But the other thing you have to bear in mind in terms of reliability, I'll take a Civic any day. (laughs) I wouldn't trust that Mercedes on the long haul. And I have to say, when I was making some money back in the 1980s, making some pretty good money, they had some really cheap leases on a couple of Mercedes. And I leased two different ones over the years. And they were some of the worst-built cars I ever owned or leased. So there you go. Well, yeah, when you have an expensive car, you also have more expensive everything that you have to do for it, from gas to fixing to everything else. But But even um, under warranty, the maintenance, the fact that I had to bring it in more often, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it, it costs more to support a more expensive car. And but if you compare that to Apple, I mean, they're they're basically having this kind of luxury experience. But the support is better. There's no additional cost. Accessories don't really cost more. So I mean, across the board, Apple's offering at the same price level something that's substantially nicer. Now, some of these devices have features that appeal to some people, like the really big screens. And you know, one of the reasons why Android tablet or phablet, you know, hybrid big phones have to be so big is because they have this dual chip LTE that just takes up a lot of space. But another reason is there is no Android tablets that anybody wants to buy. So they get this kind of tweener thing. And that appeals to a certain audience, but it's not a mainstream thing. I don't think the majority of people want a huge screen. Now, the Nexus, Nexus, was it? The the Nexus Note, or what is it called? Those really big ones from Samsung? Oh, yeah, that's that's the phablet. That's the like, phablet. That's the one that has a stylus for yeah. taking notes. And I can see no reason for it. Now, here's the thing you have to bear in mind. This is one of the considerations Apple made in getting a larger screen. If you make it wider, you have to consider the people who aren't basketball players. You know, if you're a basketball player, you can hold the basketball in one hand. Now, I have long, thin fingers, good for playing musical instruments, but not very good for playing basketball. They're not big enough. But I can hold the iPhone 4S in one hand. I could take an iPhone 5, and I don't have one, but it's, what, a little bit less than half an inch taller, so it's insignificantly taller. It's no wider, so I can use it the same way as I use it now, and probably it'll fit in my pocket just as well. But now you take these Android phones with all these cockamamie screen sizes. I can't keep track of them. You know, you've got 4.3 inches, 4.6, 5, whatever. A million and one sizes, and they're wider, and they're very awkward to use. 
and you create a real nightmare for software developers. That's another point to make. Like, for example, let's look at the iPhone 5. Now, they can update their apps developers in the iOS 6 developers tools, and it scales up proportionally to fit the larger screen. Older apps are letterboxed, but not big letterboxing, just, you know, small bars at each end. That's the difference. That's the sacrifice. Now, some people are saying that's fragmentation. <laughs> I don't think they understand what fragmentation is. Yeah, it's interesting to see how Apple's upgrading things in incremental ways that work with the developers that it has. Where, I mean, realistically, when you look at Android apps, there are no Android apps. There's nothing unique to Android, really. And it's really missing out on any sort of interesting commercial development. There are no, like, really cool games. There's a few, you know, games that are just saturated in the market, things like Angry Birds that have, like, an ad version for Android. But there's not really a lot of good software for Android. You don't have people like Electronic Arts coming to a convention at Google and extolling their latest games. And the reason why you don't have great software for Android is part of it is kind of fragmentation and it's more expensive. But if there was money in it, there would be more games. There's no money in Android. There's no money in Android development. And a big part of that is because it's a culture of stealing. It's, you know, we don't pay people for what they're worth. We just take their stuff. And Apple has really worked to create, you know, fair pricing to where you can buy all these apps for virtually nothing. But since everyone's paying a little bit, the developers are getting money for it. So I think Apple's really struck a really good balance with software. Because before we had so- we had mobile software where people were trying to charge, you know, if you had ever had a Palm phone and went to the try to buy apps for it, everything was like 50 bucks. Oh, yes. If you wanted to get one or two apps and then the installation process is awkward, yeah. half the time the app that you bought, assuming it would even download, and there's no guarantee of that, assuming the thing would even download, the thing was barely functional. Yeah, you put on like a half dozen apps and the phone would stop working. So Apple's done a really good job with developing a software ecosystem around, which is fair to developers and fair to users and everything's pretty cool. And it's generated a lot of money for development, and that's created a lot of really cool apps. Android has not done that. I mean, Google has not done that for Android. And none of the developers or the licensees of Android have either. Amazon is trying to, but Amazon's whole business model is taking other people's stuff and charging less for it and collecting no taxes. And that is not really resulting in great software for the Kindle Fire either. There's some overlap between, you know, Kindle and Android in terms of what apps they use, but it's really running in this old version of Android. Now, just speaking very briefly of the Amazon Kindle Fire HD, I read a review of one of them from one of the publications and pointed to a really horrible touch lag on the system where you tap something, it can take up to a second for the command to execute. And, of course, there's no responsiveness, so you don't know what's going on. Yeah, well, that's the problem with using old software and developing hardware on the cheap. They have this business model of of just trying to see how cheap they can make it, so they're basically giving it away at the cost that they're building it for. But the result is, like, you know, not a good product. Of course it's not going to be a good product. Whereas Apple is selling with... It's coming from a um, a position of, we know we're going to sell millions of these things, so let's put the best technology we can into it. And leverage the economies of scale to develop this really great product that we can sell everywhere at a same price as everything else, but it's much better. Well, it's not a tricky business model. Like Amazon's a tricky business model because they sell 
the Kindles at cost. And by the way, with the new Fires and the Fire HD, you have to pay $15 to get rid of the ads on the lock screen on the home screen. So talk about ridiculous. They expect you to buy product from the Amazon ecosystem. So if you go to the Amazon and there's, you can buy anything from groceries to car accessories, tires, TV sets, everything. They hope you'll spend a lot of money on Amazon. It's basically a point-of-sale product. It's not a general-purpose tablet, whereas Apple earns their profits from selling you hardware. So it's all about the hardware. Deliver hardware because that's where their profits come from. The App Store, whatever, those stores operate with minimal or no profits just to provide value. They make their money from the hardware. So if they don't sell the hardware, there you go. Daniel Aaron Dilger, where do we go to find more of your stuff? I write for appleinsider.com and for my own roughlydrafted.com blog. You find us, by the way, Tech Night Hal. We are on Twitter. Tech Night Hal. Gene Steinberg can be found also on Facebook if you want to look for me there. Also, our forums at forum.technighthow.com. We have another radio show about UFOs, things that go bump in the night. This week featuring author Nick Redfern about UFO crashes, crashes of flying saucers years ago. Did they really happen? All that wild stuff. Daniel Aaron Dilger, thank you for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. All right, thanks for having me, Gene. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.